Ready. Hey. Just in the middle of the field, 45, 50. Greengrass in front of him, leaving Lions in his way. I am Jeff Joniak. Blitz is on. Down he goes. Brisker. What was it like playing for Coach Dicka? Uh, I don't want to answer any questions like that. 61 yards. Ooh. A Sunday stroll for Justin Fields. Now, Bears, etc. with the voices of the Chicago Bears, Jeff Joniak and Tom New challenge awaits the Bears this Sunday. It is Christmas Eve and a 325 kickoff between the Bears and the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray coming to town and Jonathan Gannon, the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, brings a three-win outfit to Soldier Field. We'll have it for you starting at 325 on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. With Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak, and this is episode 44 of our Bears Etc. podcast. Coming up, we'll be joined by Doug Plank, the ferocious Bears safety, the 46 defense uh, invented by Buddy Ryan because of the blonde bombshell, and we'll talk to him. We always love talking to Doug. He's still doing national work on radio and has keen insight on the Arizona Cardinals and your Chicago Bears. Tom, I know uh, the Bears suffered that defeat, and it sucked the wind out of everybody in Cleveland, but I'm certainly very excited about Sunday. I know it's a holiday. People are going to be listening. People are going to be watching. Uh, if you're on the road, going to family or whatever, I love talking to our fans on the holiday because uh, holiday and football goes together. In recent years, we've had some Christmas Day games, some Christmas Eve games, and uh, whoever shows up at Soldier Field on Sunday, I think they'll be entertained with two mobile quarterbacks like Kyler Murray and Justin Fields. Yeah, you know, uh, Kyler Murray is interesting to watch on tape because although I've never been a huge fan of his just because I I didn't know if that his size was going to be usable and his – um, escapability was going to be an asset at the NFL level. But I got to say, when I watch him on tape, I see a player with his assets plays with extreme confidence. Um, he's got great escapability. He's willing to throw across his body. He's willing to throw across the field. He's willing to extend pockets to for one of his receivers to get open. But also... He's willing to drop if he feels pressure. Rather than taking a hard-hitting sack, he'll go to the ground and go to the next play. And sometimes that acceptability is, you know, keeps him healthy and on the field. So I'm really interested to watch two dynamic, young, developing quarterbacks uh, this um, Christmas Eve. Coming off that ACL, he hasn't played a lot, obviously, this year from, from last season, and the Cliff Kingsbury experiment didn't work out there in Arizona. That led to Jonathan Gannon. But, it, you know, they've signed him to a big contract. But is is this home for him? Is this going to be Kyler Murray's football team moving forward? This is a three-win team that's going to get a high draft pick and could be interested maybe in one of those quarterbacks that are coming out. Yeah, they could also be interested in a big-time receiver. Because if you look at Kyler Murray, you know, he's got an explosive arm. He's got great confidence and he's got great, um, you know, wherewithal in terms of the passing game and how to extend the time behind the line of scrimmage to make sure one of those receivers get open. So if you have a contract that you've already signed Kyler Murray to and you have a high draft choice where maybe you can get one of those top two or three receivers that have an immediate impact on your offense, you know, maybe that's the route to go. You bring in a head coach, Kyler Murray, his understanding of the terminology and the development of the system. He had time to wait until he actually had to play because, as you mentioned, the recovery of the knee injury. So it was the fastest route to success. 
because it seems like they have a tight end in place who's a real weapon on this offense. James Conner is a really good running back. So just think if you add another receiver to this football team that can kind of play off of the other you know, assets they already have on this team. Yeah, and they do have an excellent second-year tight end in Trey McBride, somebody the Bears are going to have to be keenly interested in, given what David Njoku did a week ago to the Bears with 10 catches and over 100 yards in the loss to Cleveland. Uh, Murray is the guy, obviously, he will steal yards outside the pocket uh, because of his mobility. He does not take a lot of hits, Tom. He, he will slide out or get away without getting touched. He is uh, maneuverable in that pocket, and uh, I call him tiny but mighty. I, I agree 100%. And, and again, you know, I'm kind of old school in the f- way that I've looked at, you know, height and uh, as an importance for the quarterback position. You know, and Doug Flutie really proved a lot of us wrong in terms of, uh, you know, longevity at the position and how good you could possibly be. And I didn't know what to think of Kyler, but like I said at the beginning of the program, I really admire his confidence and he's willing to do a lot of things. But can you block passes? Can you surround him in the pocket? Can you try to keep him from really seeing the receivers downfield? Yes. However, like you said, if he gets outside the pocket, he's got incredible sliding ability because of his baseball background, but he's also can convert pressure into a first down by when he does get outside the pocket. Well, Cardinals uh, made some noise with Murray uh, during the early portion of his career, but just 7-24 and 24 the last two seasons, obviously missing uh, the end of last season and the early portion of this year. So they got a lot of work to do to make it happen, but they feel they got one of their franchise cornerstones at one of the tackle positions in Paris Johnson. He's had his ups and downs this season, a fair amount of penalties, I think tied for second in offensive penalties this year, uh, but a really good left tackle. Uh, from Florida, DJ Humphreys. And so pieces, Will Hernandez, the guard, is a nasty blocker. Uh, he will root you out in the run game. What's your look at their offense overall? Hollywood Brown on the outside at receivers got some speed as well. So the offense, uh, not scoring a ton, but uh, a dangerous outfit indeed. Yeah, but I think the offensive line, when you're talking about having all those five pieces in place for a period of time, they have to learn the quarterback and how to play with the quarterback they have. Because when you talk, you talk about a protection, there's an exact, there's a real specific how you want to make sure that you have your hands in place as an offensive lineman and where you try to get to. But also if you have the uncertainty of Kyler Murray and maybe if you think the protection strength is to the right, but he takes off to the left, that kind of makes you vulnerable to – penalties at times. So I think it's a process where you have to have a head coach that understands the willingness of the quarterback and then how to work with an offensive line if you can keep them in place for a while. So uh, I'm still trying to figure out how the 49ers gave up over 200 yards to the Cardinals, the number one rushing defense in the NFL. Is this uh, put you on alert for the Bears defensive front seven? Oh, 100%. But I think you... So if you're a defensive coordinator, Jeff, you've been around the NFL long enough, and then you're getting ready to play against the Arizona Cardinals. So where do you start with when you're talking about limiting the success of their offense? Do you start with the arm of Kyler Murray, the escapability of Kyler Murray, or the running ability of their running backs? Because they have a couple of good running backs that run hard. They have explosiveness and they get outside. So what's your first goal? 
And I think whether you're a, you know, a play-by-play guy evaluating how you look at the Arizona Cardinals or you're a defensive coordinator, what is your first goal? So I think that's what you kind of have to look at when you're looking at the Arizona Cardinals and limiting their success. Yep, got to stop the run period. Michael Carter also a jitterbug back. He uh, was a waiver claim from the Jets not just a few months ago, in the early portion of November, and he can do some damage as well. We're brought to you by PNC, official bank of the Bears with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak. All right, let's take a look at that defense, and it is a little bit of an interesting adjustment for the Bears to take a look at because they throw a lot of different personnel packages. Jonathan Gannon worked for Matt Eberflus as a defensive back coach for the Colts for several years, so they know each other very well, but uh, operates a slightly different kind of defense, doesn't he? He does. You know, I was interesting watching the tape of him because it's it's almost like a, a five one five approach when because you know there's an interesting because you're going to have five men against the, across the defensive line of scrimmage, but they're all up at the line of scrimmage. So that means when you call a pass protection, the offensive linemen are uh, you're you're responsible for everybody up front. And then you'll have a linebacker that runs really well, kind of that in the middle position. And then all of a sudden you're going to have a lineup defensive backs. They may line up straight across a, a line that's about 12 yards behind the line, the offensive line of scrimmage. And now the quarterback has to figure out who they're going to cover, how they're going to cover. Is it going to be man coverage? Is it going to be zone coverage? Or are they going to bring one of those bodies up to the line of scrimmage to provide an extra uh, personnel of pressure? And it's going to be interesting to see how they do uh, go about attacking this defense. And, you know, the one thing about it, if you get a defensive coordinator that plays an unconventional style of defense and they have success with it, they're going to stay with it. It's not like if you don't have success against it, they won't change. So, that's one thing that the Bears are going to have to do is they're going to have to have some explosive plays, both in the running game, Justin's escapability, and downfield passing. Vizzy Hard Seltzer, the official Hard Seltzer of the Chicago Bears. Uh, that defensive line for Arizona, they will do some damage. Uh, they've got a variety of different guys, all shapes, all kinds of speed. B.J. Ajaleri, their young uh, outside linebacker, is talented. He's got rush ability and is very slippery. Dennis Gardeck, who uh, went to Crystal Lake South, uh, uh, really was not recruited very heavily, uh, went into uh, colleges, and uh, including Division II West Virginia State, wound up at Sioux Falls College, undrafted, and he's got 45 tackles and five sacks this year and a really great resume as a veteran on special teams with over 50 special teams tackles. Boy, you talk about getting there the hard way for a local guy. That's the hard way right there. I Listen, man, I love guys like that. Because the game is important to them. If they're not going to a Division One school and they got to be coddled through three or four years of college and tell them every day how great they are and how important they are to the program and what they're going to do at the next level. I like these guys that show how important getting through the, the ranks so they can get a, a professional evaluation. And then when they get their helmet, in a professional team, they do the most to keep it and have success. I mean, there's guys from the from the Bears and every team across the NFL that have had that type of success. You look at Big Cat Williams going to Cheney State. You know how he turns into the one of the best offensive tackles in the history of the Bears. So it's when it's important to you 
it tells me a lot about what you are able to accomplish. Look at Richard Dent, your good friend. I mean, right? Same story. Right. Same story. Right. I mean, exactly. But, you know, some of these schools, you know, it's always interesting to look at a roster and you look at some of the schools that I've still have never heard of that these guys are on an NFL roster and they're having a successful career. You know, listen, man, I, I, I really, I admire them because, you know, I went, I went to Notre Dame and I set my sights on the NFL and I had the opportunity because we are on national TV every week. When you have these guys that they have the size, the ability and the gifts that you need physically to get to this level. And then they're able to accomplish that. I have all the admiration in the world for them. Take a chance. Download the Bet Rivers app today. We also got to talk about Buda Baker. He is their um, kind of their tempo setter. I, I would guess not unlike in many respects and who he's growing into, uh, Jaquan Brisker. But uh, Buda Baker been around a bit, uh, just 27 years old, but a highly instinctive player with an urgency to his game. He packs a punch, doesn't he, Tommy? Yeah, he does. He's always been good. You know, this is not a guy that's, you know, waited, uh, waited his time. He's been good since he came into the NFL. And, uh, yeah, you know, he's the type of guy that you can build a defensive backfield around and you can have him, like Jaquan Brisker, line up at a lot of different levels and take advantage of uh, personnel groupings that the offense is putting out there and sometimes put him at as an, as an advantage. Is he quicker than a tight end? Is he – stronger than a wide receiver blocker how do you deploy him is you know you're always going to get value from him and josh woods the former bear three years special teams a guy who always believed himself went to detroit lands in arizona he's a starter tommy with 61 tackles and uh he's 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 getting the calls and making the calls for the defense at that linebacker position the one thing you know to expect from josh is high energy and a lot of belief in himself he plays urgent you know congrats Congratulations to him because I kind of lost track of him and I said, I don't know if this guy's really a legitimate NFL player. You know, he can dance a lot at practice, and but he made a couple special teams early in his career and he ran as well as anybody on the field, I'm cl- including fast cornerbacks, big-time receivers. And I said, okay, if this guy can ever take his God-given gifts and turn him into a football player no matter what position they put him at. He's got the ability to play, but it's someone really taking uh, not necessarily a chance at him, but finding out where and how he fits best, and obviously he's shown these coaches where it is. Another player I like on the Arizona Cardinals from just watching tape is the box safety Jalen Thompson, another player who plays uh, near the line of scrimmage with an attitude. That's the one thing that I've noticed on this group. Uh, there's a lot of high-motor guys that play through the whistle, and they, they do punch you, man. They, they're an aggressive bunch, and they, they play with their hair on fire. Despite their record of just three wins, the Bears are going to have to uh, match that intensity uh, on Christmas Eve at Soldier Field, in my opinion. Listen, you know, they fired Cliff Kingsbury, who was an offensive-minded head coach, came from a high-profile program in college, and they didn't have success. So they go, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to find a head coach that has a defense background. And what type of players do you have already there and what type of new players do I need? And I think that's really the thing about this defense and why they're playing so well is because you have a young, creative, defensive-minded coach that goes, okay, I think I have a group of personnel here that I can develop that are really good at their position 
Or, you know, maybe I can change a little bit about their style of play and get better play out of them. Game day snacking calls for Good Foods Chunky Guacamole made with Haas avocados, tomatoes, onions, cilantro, and a squeeze of lime juice. It's the perfect snack to watch while DeBears win. Score some today at your local grocery store. Game day is guac day. Time now to switch gears and bring in our old friend and former Chicago Bears great one of the top 100 in Bears history. Tom and I are tickled right now. Uh, we, we miss seeing him around Chicago. We see him every now and again. But the unbelievable Chicago Bears safety still looks like he can play. There's not a wrinkle on his face, and he's still got the blonde hair. Are you dyeing your hair, Doug Plank? No, I wish I, wish I was. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how, uh, how we look. It matters in what we say. Don't you think, Jeff? I mean, it's like the, the better you look, the more credibility you have. And, and it's just like... I, I frequently uh, speak to younger people, uh, athletes, and it, it's important for me to look like I could tackle somebody. I could throw <laughs> a football. I could catch a football. If I come rolling down there at 289 pounds or whatever, and I can barely walk, I got my knees are shot. They're already shot. But I have to look like, they listen, this guy could at least play for a couple plays. And you know, just- Doug, uh, Clyde Emmerich used to say that all the time. He always used to say, you know, Tommy, you got to think about the big picture. He goes, when you meet people and you meet kids 20, 30 years after you're done playing, you want them to recognize that you were a football player at one time. <laughs> instead of instead of somebody saying, what happened to you? <laughs> where, where is Doug Plank at? Somewhere inside that 280-pound body, uh, Doug Plank is hiding out. So um, I, I'll give this for the, the surgeries I've had, though. I've had the four re- joint replacements, the knees and the shoulders. It, it's been a blessing because it's reduced my um, ability to have to deal with pain every single day. Um, you know, so it, 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 it allows you to maybe – I'm wearing it out, though. I'm, I'm still bench pressing. Uh, and last time I went to the doctor, he goes, what have you been doing, Doug? <laughs> And I said, well, I've been bench pressing. He goes, how much? I said, 400 pounds. He goes, if you want to come in for another surgery, keep doing what you're doing. He said, you are wearing your joints out. So I'm trying to look 10 years down the road and say, okay, uh, I'm going to need this joint for another 10 years. So I, I need to wise up. You know what Tom told me? Tom told me abs and calves are the hardest things to develop. Do you have abs and calves? Are you, are you sporting a six pack? Yes, I am. I am. You know what? It's, uh, it's you know, with uh, muscle is more dense than fat, and I, I think I can say the word fat. Um, it, it, so you, it, you, you maybe you don't look like it, but you know you're you're denser and you're heavier. And um, but you know, I, I enjoy lifting weights. You know, I call it a walk through workout. Every room in my house has weights. So as I walk through my house from my kitchen to my bedroom. I'm lifting weights, doing sit-ups, doing push-ups, uh, doing bands. I've got bands. Every room is different. So it's not like I'm, I get bored doing something. No, I, I can do everything. I can go jump in my pool later on in the day. I'll tell you right now before Tom jumps in, I got to jump in because you're making me look bad. As a oh, 61-year-old, I mean, Tom, I mean, I got people telling me, hey, you got to do X, Y, and Z. I, yeah, I'll do it after the season. Doug, I have no excuse. After what you just laid out, I have zero excuses from this day forward. You are an inspiration. You know what? If you want to really make yourself feel guilty, make sure you you get a log like this 
and you log and you dictate everything you do every single day and, and go wait till Sunday and go back and look at your past seven days. Are you proud of what you did? Or is it a lot like this? I woke up, I ate three meals a day. I jumped back in bed. I got nothing. Yeah. I've got nothing on here. I go, you know what? That incriminates you. That holds you liable to the things that happen to you, the things that you say and what other people say to you. All right, before I get to a football question, Doug, Clyde always used to say it's more important to eat right than it is to work out. What about your eating habits? Are they discipline or uh, do you freelance at that a little bit? Well, you know, I, uh, I, I would say undisciplined until 30 days ago. I used to drink a six-pack of Mountain Dew every day. <sighs> I don't drink wine. I don't drink, I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke. But the, the Mountain Dew had me. And uh, I've slowly been able over these last 30 days to, to get back into more, uh, uh, I guess, more authentic drinks, you know, fruit drinks, uh, non-sugar, um, you know, just water. You know, it's, it's a great way to start off your day. You know, everything, everything is a happen. We are who our habits say we are. So now I get up. I have three glasses of water, Tom, you know, before I do anything, before I start thinking of anything, I just go in, one, two, three. That kills your appetite. It kills your thirst for at least through lunch. Right. If you get through lunch, then you're in good shape. You you like, know, then, it, then it's into the intermittent fasting. You know, you, whatever you do, do it at night and don't eat until at least the next afternoon. Do you drink coffee? Yes, I do. I, I had yeah. four cups before we got on. So uh, the caffeine is not my energy. This is partly four cups of coffee also. <laughs> You know, Doug, uh, your energy, everybody that goes to a Bears game, they're reminded of it every week because there's a Hall of Fame mascot that wears a 46 jersey. Um, but I want to talk, ask you a question about the 46 defense. Um, two questions. Is it is it a, um, a talent-generated defense or – and is it – usable against the RPO offense? I, I think it is. I, I think what happened, though, is a lot of the techniques of that defense, Tom, was attack the, the quarterback and, and make contact with the quarterback, which is now becoming less and less conducive, you know, whether it be through penalties or fines or, or ejections out of football games. You know, we used to be allowed to just literally abuse the quarterbacks and make sure that every single play, somehow he got knocked down on the ground. Uh, every time a quarterback would throw an interception against us, the guy with the ball was on his own. The other 10 guys were going and hitting the quarterback. And then he was <laughs> like a circus play. It was so much fun. We would laugh like we were at the playground. We'd come back to the huddle, high-five everybody. I mean, and, and if there's one thing that still bothers me about watching Chicago Bear games, and they've been doing better lately, but it's it's individual effort, like blocking and tackling. You know, some of the ta tackling techniques, especially once they get past the, in the line of scrimmage into the secondary. I'm not I'm not saying abuse people. Just grab them, wrap them up instead of trying to make like a blocking tackle. You know, blocking tackles don't work against the Walter Paytons of the world. You know, the the, the Patrick Mahomes. Those guys are too good. They're too athletic. They can move left and right. Uh, you know, everybody says, what, you know, what do you attribute this 49er offense to lately? You know what? If you watch those plays over and over again, they take great pride in blocking, blocking other defenders. 
And that's what makes their offense so great. That allows their quarterback to throw the ball down the field. It allows McCaffrey to get into the line of scrimmage and then into the secondary and do his thing. It's those little things that add up the big things. You know, so then you think about the peanut punch that's become so famous around the league and even into college and into high school. Guys actually attempt it. Do you think that stripping the ball has affected the way guys tackle nowadays? Because the second guy is always stripping instead of hitting, where you can probably take more of a toll if the second guy was hitting as much as the first guy. You know what, though? And, and I, I really try to concentrate, which you can't use your helmet out for a lot of things, especially if it's the first thing you're leading with. Even coming up to a ball carrier, I always try to put my helmet on the ball. And I was aware of that every day in practice. Now, I wasn't doing it against our players, but I would go up there like a mock interpretation. And then at the last second before I was going to hit somebody, it just veer off left or right. And you do that time and time and time again, Tom, in practice. When the game come comes, you don't even think about it. When the ball is snapped and that guy has that ball, your body is is drawn like a magnet to that ball carrier, and you're, you're thinking football, football. Now, here's my whole point. If I didn't get that football, I would be criticized and lambasted in meetings. Doug, what are you doing? What, why don't you make the tackle? Why, why, what were you thinking of? I, goes, I was thinking about the ball. That is the most – I feel like turnovers are the most important dynamic in football. It changes games. Um, look at some of the games recently where the ball obviously wasn't caught or controlled or something at the end of the half or the game. That could have been the difference between winning and losing. So it, when I'm a coach right now, the last coaching I did in the National Football League was with a, a Jets. I coached every single day, get the ball loose, grab that ball. Uh, whatever happens, even if you miss a tackle, then somebody else behind you has to be working their butt off to try to get over there and make that tackle. One thing that frustrates me watching Bears on defense, I think there's guys that make assumptions. They're coming up to make a tackle, and they think another guy has made the tackle, and he hasn't. He hasn't made the tackle. You know, he's only grabbing the guy. Well, somebody has to be there to make sure that guy's on the ground. And I, I, I don't know. I, I just think that um, it's a different game right now. Guys are scared about hitting people with their helmets and getting fined and suspended. So I, I don't blame you for that. Doug Plank, our guest here on the Bears Etc. podcast, episode 44 with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, getting ready for the Bears and Cardinals on Christmas Eve, 325, the kickoff. All right, so a 12th round pick out of Ohio State. Before you got on, Tom and I were just going over a, a guy on, on the Cardinals, Dennis Gardeck, who played at West Virginia State, a Division II program. He came from Crystal Lake out here in the uh, the, the northern northwest suburbs and then finished his college career at Sioux Falls College, which I've never heard of. But yet, he is a veteran. He was a special teams demon, and now he's got uh, five sacks. Uh, I mean, he's still playing. He's got the hair. He's got he's got better hair than Tom ever had in his life. It's a <laughs> flowing yeah. mane. And But we just ticked off a bunch of guys that came from parts unknown to – make it in this league despite all the scouting and all the, the, the work and the money invested in scouting to find some of these gems. But the gems got to be willing to do it, and they got to be willing to do it at all costs, and they got to love it. You would have been an undrafted free agent back in the day because the, the, the drafts were, you know, 16 rounds or whatever, um, and you would have made it, and you would have been the star that you were for the Bears. I mean, just a nasty defensive gem and a great teammate. Uh, do, don't you have a great deal of respect for guys that took the long way to get to the big stage? 
I, I really do. I, you know, because they, they weren't they weren't encouraged every day. Uh, they weren't the first ones to the training table afterwards. To me, I because I didn't I wasn't starting. I was known in the category at, at Ohio State as the AYOs, and that was not the first team, not the second team. The AYOs, the AYOs were the all you others, <laughs> and your life in sports is an acronym, just like in the military. And for three straight years, when I was eligible to play in in uh, varsity football at Ohio State, my first my first day, I told you I I someone grabbed my knee and rolled like an alligator and tore all my ligaments or uh, cartilage and tore one ligament. And uh, so uh, the second day I was at Ohio State, I, I was on the operating table. I was getting my knee operated on. Mm. So I came back with a vengeance. I could never get to be the regular starter. I, I was the next man up guy. But I led the team in, in tackles on kickoffs for three straight years. Now, if you want to talk about a – I shouldn't say the word. You know, there's something where you collide with people <laughs> continually, and you have to have a mindset that is like nobody else. And you know what? You can be a very nice guy on the sideline and, you know, looking at cheerleaders and all this kind of stuff. No, when you're on that field, this is life and death. And many times I had to run through guys 250 to 300 to get to the ball carrier because he was a kickoff returner. I had to run into wedges. I knew that this was going to hurt. But you know what? That mental training is what got me the success at Ohio State. It got the Chicago Bears. There was nothing else that was going to bring me fear. I already played with a two-time Heisman Trophy, Archie Griffin. I already played with seven guys that were in the first-round draft pick in my class. You know what? I was already in the NFL. I was doing it every single day in practice, and on every kickoff, I would look at who who was down there that I wanted to go knock out, hopefully not myself, (laughs) because, you know, it was easy to run through blockers. Blockers didn't expect to be tackled. When you ran down on a kickoff, the guy was thinking he was coming to get you. No, you were going to get him. I can't tell you how many times I hit guys that never saw me coming. Big guys, 280, 290, they'd go boom, flat, knocked out. I'd go make the tackle. Uh, you, you learned how to become a very aggressive player in those circumstances. Didn't you say one time you wish that every fan could run down kickoff yes. one time to yes. understand what you're talking about here? You know what? Honestly, I think of that – and I tell my wife, I, I, there isn't much else in life I, I feel like I needed to accomplish. 100,000 people, you're running down there, <laughs> and you can hear this roar, this crowd, because it's like something out of a movie scene. And and to tackle somebody, oh, my gosh. I mean, the first time I ran onto a field at Ohio State, the first game with – with there wasn't 100,000 back then. There was 80 or 90,000, 90,000, I guess. It was so loud, you didn't feel like you were even running onto the field, Jeff. You, you felt like you were flying onto the field. And you know what? I started crying before the game. I don't, I don't even know why I'm crying. I'm crying because my energy level is so high, tears are the next thing to come out. I, I, <laughs> and and I, I would run on that. How many times a coach said, I've never seen a play that ever made a tackle with a smile on his face, but you, Doug. You're the first guy I saw <laughs> made a tackle with a smile on his face. Hey, Doug, so if you look at the modern-day quarterbacks in the NFL, we'll talk about Justin and Kyler Murray. Do you think that would take away a little of your preemptive aggressiveness because of the fear of them getting outside the pocket? Or would it it have any change of style of how you played the game? 
It would because those guys are such great athletes. I mean, you think back in the day, other than Fran Tarkin, and that's the only guy I can think of right now. It was a smaller, little, very, very agile, though. Could run. If everything was covered, man, they took off. That's the standard now by how you measure a quarterback. Once everybody's covered, what are you going to do with the ball? How are you going to get out of this pocket? And I think, you know, a lot of the quarterbacks, you know, like the Chicago Bears, obviously, I, I saw plenty of him from at Ohio State. Those kind of guys are great at just getting out get, and getting in, into the open. Um, you know, the one thing that surprises me, though, is that uh, instead of, you know, chasing, you know, one thing I noticed about a lot of defenses now, instead of containing the quarterback and, and maybe uh, attacking him a little bit more slowly, Tom, you know, and keeping in their lanes. Too many guys, they take inside releases as defensive ends. You're, you're toast. The quarterback, those quarterbacks today, boom, they're gone. It's fast, and they're, they're faster than almost all your secondary guys. So you have, even though you want to hit somebody or contain them, go slower. Don't ever give up the outside edge. I was always told as a safety in a corner, because I played corner also in, in uh, Ohio State, the short side corner. You know, it's amazing how different the hashes are in college than in pros. On the outside hash, oh, my gosh, you only got like 10, 15 yards to the sideline. So you don't have to be this athletic, fast corner. No, you, you had to be ready to take on sweeps and things like that, which is where my position was. But the important thing is with those quarterbacks, you can't give up the outside edge because you are going to get beat. So you're a defensive coach now. Uh, you know, you went on to coach defenses. So the Bears have DJ Moore. I'm a huge fan of Marvin Harrison Jr., and I think he should have won the Heisman Trophy. When you look at the receivers in the game today, does that back you up? Are you coaching your safeties to stay backed off the line of scrimmage because of those guys, or do you still want them sticking your nose into that second level to be – you know, more of an um, uh, create immediate response for the quarterback. You know, one thing I noticed too, just the Chicago Bears secondary, and I'm not trying to be extra critical of them or not. When their running backs or quarterbacks get through the line of scrimmage, too many times guys in the secondary, the safeties, cornerbacks, they're not making tackles. They're they, they're trying to run up there and do a block tackle, just try to cut the guy's legs out. These are guys are pro athletes. They're used to that, and all they have to do is just fight off fight you off for one one foot or, or one step, and now they're on their feet and they're gone. They're, you have to add the tackling aspect. Even if that means if you have to slow down, you can't be running at somebody full speed and try to get under control. You have to go under control, be able to wrap people up, bring them to the ground. That's why I, I used to tell people what I did with the Chicago Bears, if it wasn't for my grip, doing dumbbell cleans all the day, you know, doing the exercises with the dumbbell hanging down with the rope, whatever you want to call it, Tom. That's what I did. So I could grab an Earl Campbell, who was a beast. That man ran over people and bring him to the ground. I mean, that is that was the, the, the standard that I always judge myself by. If I can't bring him down, then I shouldn't be out here. Hey, Doug, did you ever have an honest one-on-one tackling experience against Walter? Uh, and because because I know back in our inner squad games, there was times playing against McMichael was worse than playing against anybody on an NFL day. <laughs> uh, did, have, did you ever have any of those? Uh, yeah. And you know what? I would I wouldn't say Walter wanted or I wanted because it was never in the wide open. But a lot of times 
uh, it was almost, it reminded me of uh, when uh, Earl Campbell, Jack Tatum was, was trying to tackle Earl Campbell in one of those games. It's a video that's been out for a long time. And they both hit each other at the line of scrimmage. And it was like, like a stalemate. All, obviously, Earl Campbell still went on afterwards another five yards, but he was almost like knocked out. Uh, here's the other thing. Once I realized that Walter Payton was 99% of our team, Tom, I'm not going to touch you. Right, right. I ran the other way. I, I, I never wanted to be anything, you know, because I roomed with him. My first training camp, they put everybody by alphabetic order. How can you hurt your, your roommate? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. He, he, you know, he doubted out too, Tom. He yeah. Had a, oh my gosh. He hit you with that thing. It was like getting hit with a baseball bat. You, you just ring your help. Your helmet would just ring. And uh, but I, once I figured out, Hey, listen, this guy, he's the star. And the first workout that we had, they brought all the rookies out and we had a camp down in Florida for three days. And I played with the only two time Heisman trophy winner. <laughs> That guy could have been that same guy. He 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 could have won that thing. I mean, if he was on an Ohio State team yeah. instead of Jackson State, he got the state right. He just got the Jackson and the Ohio wrong. <laughs> he would have been on Ohio State team. He would have won the Super. You know, won the He was something else. He could punt. He could throw. He could run. I mean, there, he could catch. There wasn't anything he couldn't do. So I immediately, you know, gained respect. Huge, huge respect in three days. Doug Plank, our guest here on the Bears Etc. podcast with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, and as always, we've got sponsors to uh, compliment as well. And this is brought to you by United. Good news, Chicago. United Airlines is getting brand new planes with all the bells and whistles like Bluetooth connectivity, screens at every seat, and room for everyone's roller bag. United, proud to fly the Chicago Bears and you too. Uh, I know this was... I, I don't remember all of our conversations, but we've had plenty, Doug, certainly at the 100 uh, as well when the Bears celebrated their 100. But, you know, I often look at the uh, looking at this Bears team right now. It's a young team. There, there's a, a lot of these guys won't be here when the Bears are winning, like winning and competing. And you experienced a life with Walter Payton and Dan Hampton and Mike Hartenstein and some others that – trickled into the 85 Bears and became centerpieces for the 85 Bears, kind of paving the way a little bit, taking their lumps, but building that camaraderie, that chemistry, uh, that that something that you cannot define until you actually see it come to fruition. How hard was that for you not to be a part of taking that one last step to get to the 85 team and the championship team? Um, I'll tell you what, Jeff, you know, there's um... – you know, the, the, the ladder to success is, is step by step. When you're up there and you've had some success or you're a starter or whatever, the trip down goes quickly. And especially, I, I firmly believe there's only so many concussions or only so many uh, torn knees, shoulders, hips, whatever, that a human being can, can endure. And I think at the end, if I was still a young person that could run and, and, and all that, I, I would maybe felt like I was left out. But at, the, at that point in time, I, I really felt like the, blood, the body parts that I had, they were, they were already being replaced. Mm. And, uh, and, and concussions, concussions were another thing. I mean, that was a no big deal back then. Uh, but, you know, that, those, you know, after a while, those things accumulate. And you, there's long-term aspects to it. And I just started thinking, what kind of a husband, what kind of a father am I going to be down the road? 
if I'm continually, you know, deteriorating my body, maybe in terms of even men my mental acumen. Um, so did I watch them? Yeah, I watched them every single game I could. Uh, at that time, I was still running fast food businesses. So sometimes I couldn't watch a game because I was down serving the customers, so to speak. Um, but I, I, you know, what was so funny though, Jeff, was to watch the games and watch Buddy Ryan on the sideline. Buddy is giving the same defensive signals that was there when I was there. <laughs> I used to call. I used to call out the plays before the plays even happened. You oh know, my oh, here's, and here comes Michael around the corner, or, or <laughs> press him on the outside. Oh, it was fun watching the game because I, I felt like I was part of it and I, I knew exactly what they were doing. And uh, and people say, you know, everybody has their own little niche. And sometimes sometimes we go above our elevation in terms of job responsibilities, which maybe we were unqualified for or that wasn't us. I think Buddy, at that defensive coordinator position, there was like nobody like him. And he would make you feel so good or so bad. And you always wanted to be on the good side. Even when I got knocked down sometimes, I remember telling myself, get off the ground because this is on film and I have to run to the ball afterwards. So I never spend any time on the ground. In fact, I would practice in practice rolling because if I knew I got blindsided or something, Tom, and I'm, I'm, I'm flying through the air, I would duck my head, roll, and get back up on my feet to go make the tackle. <laughs> Jeez. Go, How do you do that? I go, I do it every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday here in practice. And if you're you're welcome to join me if you want. Do you do you do you agree with me on something about the safeties? Uh, I know the game is won and lost to the line of scrimmage, and I know quarterbacks are getting all the attention. Obviously, you got to have one to win a Super Bowl. In most cases, that's one hundred percent true. But you also have to have a tone setter at safety, and you paired with obviously with Gary Fensick and his early portion of his career, and he carried on to lead the uh, lead the Bears in interceptions for his career. Uh, playmakers, guys that set tone. Is that necessary to win a championship? Because I feel it is. I do it is. Jeff, it, it, without a doubt, somebody has to be your leader. You know what? And if you think you're a leader, you're always following somebody else. And nobody knows that. There was guys on our team, I'm not going to say who they were. We'll see some of them were on defense. Walter was the guy on offense, I'll tell you that. And I'm thinking, man, why can't I be like him? He brings it every play. I mean, every single play. Even if he didn't even make any yards, he ran through and broke three tackles, getting back to the line of scrimmage. He set the standard for like what the team should be. And I think, you know, you don't, you forget all these people in this meeting room, once they watch that film one time or maybe twice, then they're, they're scanning around the other guys on the field. What did he do on that play? The guys or whatever, my teammates, years after I was done playing and say, you know what, Doug, I appreciate you because even though you had nothing to do with the play, you somehow made it part of you to get in on that play. And you went up there and you blasted through a blocker or something and made a tackle. I just think every single time that a guy was running with the ball, what happens if the guy misses a tackle? Who's going to be there to make that tackle? I always wanted to be that guy. I don't care what sideline it was on, whether they were coming up the middle, I would take it right to the very, very end. And, uh, and sometimes it was good for me. Sometimes it wasn't, you know, sometimes I got penalized. You know, when you're running through a hole from a free safety, you got a 10 yard run and that hole's opening and here comes the running back. Suddenly though, a guy gets right in front of you. It's the referee. He's trying to look at the play too. There's been times where I hit referees. They made the tackle. They, I hit him in the back. They went flying forward. They made the greatest form tackle I've ever seen in my life. Collateral damage. You know what the good news is? 
they didn't even know who it was, so they couldn't <laughs> they couldn't penalize me because there was no replays and that all I felt back then. And uh, I don't even know who you give credit to. I mean, I, I, I was one that I, did I get credit for who that got tackle? the tackle. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Doug. When you look at the, so the, the Bears in the final three games, so they could possibly have the first pick in the draft because of Carolina right now. I think they're number five, and if it was only the Bears draft choices, I think everybody would say, "Oh, we want the Bears to tank these final three games." Yeah, I see you got your Bears alumni shirt on there, proud alumni. Yes. If you're if you're in there giving the message to this team, the final three games, what would your message be to them? How how do you want them to approach it? I would say, uh, number one, the one thing that will get you to be faster than anything is mental mistakes, being going in the wrong direction, having the wrong technique, jump off sides. I do broadcasting also. You guys know this. This year I watched a team, I'm not going to tell you who they were, twice the same guy jumped off sides. How in the heck do you jump off sides twice on the same team after you've already been penalized once? Now it's another five yards, Tom. I'm just thinking you can't play with guys like that. You have to identify them. You know what? All the coaching in the world won't make a difference. You could keep those guys in there for five hours watching film. They they don't have the mental acumen to say, hey, listen, I'm going to discipline myself. I'm not going to make mistakes. I'm going to do my assignment. I'm not going to go in the wrong direction. Um, but I, I, I definitely believe, you know, I believe practice what you preach. In other words, if it gets to the end of the game and somebody else is trying to do a Hail Mary play, should you practice it occasionally? How many teams? I don't even – know how many teams never even practice plays like that. Go and put yourself. One time I, I talked with Bill Belichick after a game. And, uh, you know, one thing he said, because they made a great play on a special team because we practice that all the time. Now, you, it was a play much like that, Tom. You would never expect the, any team to ever do it. on, But they practice onside kicks, but not the Hail Marys very often. You know, th- those were decided. Those were game decisions this past week. Uh, big plays like that. Uh, you know, and, and so when you go down there, expect something, expect the unexpected, expect that the ball's going to come to you and be ready for it. Instead of just running down there like mindless, you know, with nothing on your brain, always be thinking about what's going to happen in the next few seconds that I can maybe be part of. Doug, do you have a game this weekend? Uh, no, I, I'm, 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 I'm off this week. Uh, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it tremendously. Um, you know, it's some games are better than others. You know, uh, you know. Sometimes you know, just know before the game even starts, this is going to be a great game. Uh, I, I enjoy seeing people that I've met over the course of my life, uh, not during my playing years, but like John Lynch, you know, the general manager of the 49ers. I uh, always appreciate him. You know, I think what the stuff that he brings to the table in terms of detail, he's a great person for just the, t- the details of the game. You know, when I watch their team play. Every one of the players on the defense is making an effort. I mean, crazy effort, 100% effort to get to the ball. On the offensive side, they don't miss many blocks. You wonder why those receivers and court and running backs, McCaffrey, for example, oh, my gosh, now he's not the most gifted guy. You know, he doesn't run the fastest. He doesn't bench press the most. But you know what? You want to give him the ball, he's going to find a way to gain yards. He's going to get that first down. And you know what? And when he does – he comes back to the huddle and it's like a, you know, a cheering session. Everybody is complimenting him and they line up again and then we're going to do it all again. And I noticed also along the lines of scrimmage, those, those guys block, but they don't, they don't just block, they sustain their blocks. And I heard a coach one time says, you're only as good as your, how well you get off blocks and how well you sustain blocks. Uh, 
Hey, Doug, one question, Jeff. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, So this past week, I'm watching the tape of the San Francisco-Arizona game. And it's an Arizona home game. But when Kyler Murray is in shotgun, he's using a silent count. Is yes. the, are, are the are the opponents fans coming into Arizona Stadium at such a high level that there's crowd noise against Arizona even though they're at home? I and I don't know if you even get a chance to go oh. in the stadium or been um, there. You're bringing up a perfect point. When Chicago comes to town, this is true for hockey, baseball, and basketball. Okay, I know I live here. You think you're in Chicago? <laughs> these are these are all. Chicago fans, I mean, not just murmuring. No, they're jumping out of their seats. They're yelling. They're screaming. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Same thing is true for San Francisco on their, the 49ers. When I was watching that game, I didn't do that game. I just watched it on television. They would scan like – they didn't want to scan the stands too much because it looked like a home game for the 49ers. Right. Everybody had the colors on, and the crowd was so loud – I mean, it, it totally negated, especially the year that the Cardinals are having. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 I love, like, the 49ers. Yeah, they had a downturn of, what, those three games. But, man, they got back on track. And, you know, look out. Here we come. Uh, and, and the other thing I like about it, they're, they're willing to design plays, Tom, that are, are so wide open. You know, like watching that game, uh, last week's game they played, they were unbelievable in just – you, they, they got behind early against the, the, the Cardinals. But as the game was going on, you could tell the plays that were being called from the San Francisco side were so much better than the flip side over here in Arizona because guys were wide open. You know, they were misdirection, crossing routes, things like that that we all learned back in high school and college and all that sort of thing. But you know what, though? It takes a lot of courage to call those plays during a game because what happens if they don't work? You look like a fool. You know, uh, some of those plays, like McCaffrey one time, he was so wide open, he had time to catch the ball, fall on the ground, get back up and run another 10 yards, right. a 41-yard touchdown. I mean, how does that happen? Nobody even knew he was over there. I mean, it's, it's you know, sometimes that's your job is free safety. When you're, you are you see got everything in front of you, and when you see there's a screw-up, you got to go – I got to get deeper now because now I got to play that. I got to play for that guy's responsibilities because nobody should be that wide open. And I'm going to run over there just in case somebody throws the ball, which they did. And, uh, you know, they just, you could tell the, the second half momentum just switched so much and the crowd, the crowd just ate. Mm. They took over the game. All right. Our final question with Doug Plank, the great Chicago bear with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak here on the bears, et cetera, podcast. So ha- have you called an Arizona Cardinal game this year? Yes or no first? Yes, I did. Okay, so what is our, what's your mini scouting report as the Bears get ready to meet this uh, three-win team with Kyler Murray healthy and ready to roll? You know what? It, it's amazing because you don't really know, um, you know, what, what Kyler Murray was going to sh- show up. Uh, he's such a really talented person. I know he's had disagreements with the front office in terms of what the, some, res- some of the responsibilities or limited responsibilities that he should have, but – if he gets loose past the line of scrimmage, look out. He's a he's a beast. He can run any direction. He's tough. Uh, he, he utilizes the sideline very well. Uh, I would say one thing about his game, although they, they've got a real good, they've got a nice tight end that's, you know, done some good things over the last couple of weeks. A lot of times there's a chance for him to run on a pass play, as we all know. If everything's covered, he's, he's taught. Now, here's the other thing. 
when he takes off running, he doesn't throw passes to the sideline because that takes time to set up, set your feet, and now you're only looking at one direction, not the other. You could get hit. Most times he's concerned about receivers to the inside of the field because that goes with his taking off with the ball out of, out of a pocket. Uh, I, he likes the in, in, interior routes, crossing routes, because if everybody's covered, he's through that line so fast you can't even believe it. And uh, but he, he, you know he's been hurt and he's had you know some uh, medical attention you know recently the last couple of years. And uh, but no, I, I think it really should be an awesome game. Um, but uh, I would just say he's one weapon. If you give him the chances, he'll take advantage of it. Doug, we could talk to you forever. Your uh, wealth of information and your uh, exuberance and good health and good thoughts are certainly perfect for this holiday version of this Bears Etc. <laughs> podcast. Thanks for taking the time, Big Doug. We, we yeah. miss you. Tom, hey, always a pleasure talking to you guys. Thank you. You too, Doug. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Take care. How much fun was that with Doug playing? Uh, he's awesome. Like, could, we could do a whole afternoon with him. Just amazing. The passion for the game, it's still there. Yep. I mean, he's in his 70s. Uh, he's fit, as we heard at the beginning of the show, but he's still calling games on a national network on radio and does a great job, and uh, he watches everything, and that's a football lifer. And he's made himself yeah. a great deal of uh, post-football career decisions in business, dabbled in the coaching, finished you know, all his head coaching opportunities, whether it be Arena League or uh, – in other venues, uh, he finished with a 65% winning percentage. So he was a, yeah. a winning head coach and had some assistant jobs in the National Football League. But Football I, people are were yeah. afraid of him. You think? Yeah. Why? Yeah. <clears throat> um, because his toughness resonated in his personality, hmm. and he overshadowed some of the passive coaches that he co worked with and they were intimidated about wow. uh, by his look and his success and his demeanor, his enthusiasm, his requirements, all that kind of stuff. Very interesting perspective. Bears fans, you can be there for live NFL action all season long as the official ticket marketplace of the Bears of the NFL. Ticketmaster has a wide selection of tickets available for every home game. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com. All right, Tom, uh, final thought on Bears-Cardinals. Uh, you got a key to the game in this one for us? Uh, yeah. I, God, a key to the game is the quarterback play of both of yeah. uh, both quarterbacks. You know, Justin has to be the dynamic decision-making quarterback that he has been since he's returned from the injury. He's got to understand to keep, in, you know, DJ Moore and Cole Komet involved. Don't forget about Darnell Mooney. And then defensively, you can't overcommit to Kyler Murray. And you better do things fundamentally perfect um, because you don't want to contribute to the escapability of Kyler Murray. All right, that's going to wrap us up for our show this week. For Tom there, I'm Jeff Joniak. Thanks to Doug Plank, our guest. Our next Bears Etc. podcast comes up on Tuesday. We will recap the Bears-Cardinals game. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe now on the Chicago Bears official app, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bear down, everybody, and have a Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs>